good to be in the house of the Lord and uh, just thankful for time in his presence. Uh, it is uh, just a blessing to see all these children being de- dedicated to the Lord. Amen. Uh, we are a, uh, a get married and have lots of kids kind of church, right? We believe that's God's blessing. Children are a blessing uh, from the Lord. And so uh, even as we prayed for these children, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for children in the church. Amen. That God would work in their lives and that his plan and purpose would come to be. We are um, closing out a series today uh, entitled Heavenly Places, and I pray that as we've gone through this, you've uh, received just some, some practical insight into the spiritual realm. Um, you know, with a, a topic like this, it's so easy to uh, get caught up in, in a lot of different things and, and not realize how practical this is for us, but I hope you've been taking notes. I hope you've been uh, talking about this in your community groups. I know our community groups are, are taking a break here uh, just through Advent, and then we'll start up again in January. But if you have a note sheet today, I encourage you to pull that out and be prepared to take some notes. Uh, there are questions on the back, questions for reflection, and so I do want to encourage you to spend some time thinking about these things um, at the end of the service sometime this week uh, to reflect on what God is speaking. What you We've been talking again about the, the spiritual realm, the battle that's going on in the spiritual realm. But I want you to think for a moment, if you woke up in your home and you heard a tank driving down your street, imagine you, you looked out your window to find that your house was surrounded by military personnel, and they're there because they believe that you are a spy. How would you feel in that moment? A little frightened? A little uneasy? I want to tell you something similar happened about 3,000 years ago. We see it recorded in 2 Kings chapter 6. Um, We're told there that the king of Syria was warring against Israel. And so he says to his servants, this is where I'm going to go and I'm going to set up my camp. But Elisha, the great prophet, receives revelation from God. And so he goes to the king of Israel and says, don't go by this area. That's where the Syrian army is going to be. And this happens a few times until finally uh, the king of Syria says, I've got to have a spy in my ranks. How do they know where, wherever I'm going, right? There's got to be a spy in my ranks. But one of his servants says to the king, he says, here's what's actually happening, king. The, the prophet in Israel, uh, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. In other words, he's aware of everything that you're saying. He's aware of all your plans. And the king is like, no, we can't have this, right? we gotta, we got to go get this guy. And so he sends horses and chariots. He sends this huge army to Dothan, which is the city that Elisha and his servant were in. And verse 15 there says this, When the army, I mean, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, alas means, oh, no, okay? He sees that they're in trouble. He's, he's afraid. And Elisha's response in verse 16 is startling. He says this, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I want to encourage you this morning. We talk about the spiritual battle. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Uh, and I can picture in this moment this, this young servant kind of rolling his eyes and Elisha and saying, Elisha, what are, you, what are you kidding me? It's just me and you here, right? And, and we're surrounded by this huge army. And then Elisha prays this 10-word prayer in verse 17. He says, oh, Lord, please open his eyes 
that he may see. And the answer comes quickly. It says, so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The word behold has this idea of surprise. Certainly it was like, man, look at this. You can see it all around us. There are horses and chariots of fire that were all around Elisha and his servant. And I'm, I'm sure that made Elisha, this young prophet, think about what happened to Elijah, right? When he was taken up to heaven in Second Kings chapter 2, verse 11, it tells us, and they were still, went on and talked, and behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. We've been talking these last three weeks about the heavenly places. We've been talking about the spiritual realm. And here's my prayer through all of this, is that God would open your eyes to see in greater ways what is taking place in the spiritual realm around us. Because even as believers, so often we determine reality just through our physical senses, don't we? It's, it's just about what I can see, what I can touch. However, for Elisha, the spiritual world was that real. Notice, Elisha doesn't ask for angels to show up, but he knew they were already there. Instead, he says, God, would you open my servant's eyes to see what's really taking place? Can I just say, right here and right now, there is an invisible world that is much more real than the world that we can see. There's more to life than what you can see. Angels and demons surround us. We just can't see them. Now, looking back at Ephesians chapter 6, once again, that's where we were last week. Beginning in verse 10, we're told, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. How many know the devil is scheming? He is scheming, but we can take a stand. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. i got to say, in reality, it would be wrong for us to conclude that all of our difficulties in life are directly brought to us by devils and demons, okay? If we're honest, we know that some of our sickness, some of our financial problems, some of our relationship problems are the result of our own poor decisions, right? If we're, if we're honest, right? There's decisions that we make at times that bring things into our lives. Yet at the same time, we need to take seriously the words that I read from the Bible about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We, we cannot become so intrigued with just the materialistic explanations of life's challenges that we forget the real and the powerful spiritual world that surrounds us and that opposes God's purposes for us. Today I want to talk to you about angels and demons. Before we jump into it, here's the good news today. Here's what I see. I think that people are much more open to the possibility of the supernatural and the spiritual than I've ever seen before. Sure, there may be those who are skeptical of biblical Christianity, but I'm encouraged that people want to talk about God. They want to talk about spiritual things. And so for us as a church, we can't stay silent. Amen. There's conversations to be had. According to the Bible, we know this, that angels are real. Scripture speaks often of angels about 200 times in the New Testament alone. And the most basic role that angels play is that they are messengers of God. The word angel in the New Testament, it means this. If you're following along in the notes, it means one who brings news. One who brings news. He's a messenger, okay? The Bible tells us several important things about these messengers. 
that ought to encourage us as we engage ourselves in the struggle in the spiritual realm. Number one, angels are spirit beings. Spirit beings. Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits, talking about angels, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Who's that? It's you and I, right? The ones who are going to inherit salvation. Angels are sent out to serve for our sake. We, we do learn that angels can take on the physical form and interact with the physical world, but they are spirit beings without bodies like us. Number two, angels are supernaturally powerful. In the Bible, angels are recorded as having opened prison doors, rolled away the stone from the grave of Jesus. They even engage in war. Uh, Daniel chapter 10 to me is one of the uh, most profound stories of, of spiritual warfare that you can see in the Bible. Daniel has this profound vision and he, he sees an angel. And listen to the way that he describes it. Daniel 10 verse 5 says this, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Opaz around his waist. His body was like burial, that is a beautiful gem. His face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his voice like the sound of a multitude. Picture a stadium speaking in unison. That's the sound of his voice, right? This angel, we're told here in the book of Daniel, is engaged in spiritual battle that took place because Daniel prayed. In the book of Revelation, John speaks of angels who will bind Satan. Literally, they're going to take him into custody and send him where he belongs, okay? And if God grants angels, we see from time to time the ability to even change the course of nature. Revelation 7.1 says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. In Psalm 103.20 we read, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Thirdly, we say this, angels are personal beings. They are personal beings. It, it is a mistake to think of angels as an impersonal force. They're not like uh, lightning or, or hurricane or electricity. Okay, They are intelligent beings who delight in doing the will of God and carrying out his orders in the world as he sends them to. Number four, angels are not gods. They're not gods. Remember, Satan was one of the angels, right? And we made it clear early on that he was a created being, meaning he's not eternal, okay? And therefore, he is not God. Angels are created, finite beings, and they are lower than God. Therefore, angels are not to be worshipped. Only God is worthy of a worship. Amen? Number five, angels are not. I'm going to correct some of you. This is going to shake you up a little bit, okay? Angels are not the spirits of people. It's, it's a common misconception. I, just, I hear it all the time at funerals, like when people die, right? They say, heaven gained an angel. Can I just say that's not a biblical understanding of what took place, okay? According to the Bible, humans and angels are distinctly different orders in God's creation, okay? Nowhere in the Bible are we taught that our destiny when we die is to grow wings and sit on a cloud playing a harp, okay? That's, that's not for us, okay? God, we're going to join the angels, yes. We're going to join together with them worshiping God. Number six, angels are sent to believers to, to assist in the struggle against evil. That was the case in, in Daniel chapter 10. If you haven't read the book of Daniel, I encourage you 
this week, it talks about the principalities and, and the warfare that's going on uh, in, in, in that region, okay? Psalm 91.11 says this, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will, stri- you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. In some mysterious way, God directs his angels to be our guardians from time to time. However, this idea that each of us gets our own personal guardian angel who watches over you all the time, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that, that I find that, okay? Because if that were true, then it'd be hard to understand why some believers die in tragic accidents, right? You say, was their angel just not good enough? Did he not keep up, right? Well, what happened there, right? But what the Bible does teach us is that God sends in his plan and his purpose, angels to guide us towards his will, and also to help us when we are under spiritual attack. The role of angels is clearly seen in, in Mary's visitation. Uh, Luke chapter 1, God sends the angel, what's the name? Gabriel, come on, it's Christmas, we got to get ready, guys. Sends Gabriel, right, to, to bring uh, a young girl by the name of Mary, this astonishing news that she is going to be the mother uh, of the Messiah. And the angel appears to her, scaring her nearly to death. He announces her pregnancy, and even though she had never had sexual relations with Joseph, to whom she's engaged, but the angel gives her the message, encourages her, explains the purpose of God to her, and then leaves her, right? Now, the difficult experience that she was about to go through was made much more acceptable because of the ministry of an angel. What does this information have to do with us? I would say this. We need to be aware of the work of angels in our lives, right? We need to understand that when we worship like this on a Sunday morning, we're actually joining the angels in worship with what they've been doing all week long, right? Uh, And and it's not wrong for us to ask, Father, would you give me uh, an angelic protection? Would you send angels to guard me uh, in my ways? Because Scripture says that they do that. At the same time, we need to know that angels can witness our obedience or our disobedience that we think is done in secret. Hebrews 13, 2 says this, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And so that gives us some understanding of angels. Now, let's take a look at the darker side of the spiritual realm that surrounds us. The Bible also teaches us that we fight against demons, that we fight against demonic forces. Now, I know when I say that, some of you are a little uncomfortable, right? Why are we going to talk about this? Some people think, man, you're going back to some medieval superstition or something, right? But honestly, you cannot honestly read the Word of God without accepting the reality of of demons, okay? A major part of Jesus' ministry was given to confronting demonic powers and releasing people from their control and influence on their lives. So if we deny that demons exist, we discredit Jesus' ministry and his good news told us that one of the signs of his kingdom was the overthrow of demonic powers. Matthew 12, 22 tells us this, then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw them. It's very clear he was a demon oppressed man. Verse 28, Jesus declares, but if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come can't honestly look at the wickedness in, in the world around us without believing in the reality of spiritual forces. 
about the atrocities of the Nazi regime, right? Or you think about over one million that were slaughtered in Rwanda, right? You think about these things that happen, and, 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 and you, if you really look at them, they're not just the work of some, some twisted evil man. This is not just due to, to bad people, okay? The, the kind of evil like that can only be orchestrated by people who are controlled by agents of the devil, controlled by demons who delight in destruction and in death. The devil and his demons are at work, but they would prefer you don't even acknowledge that they exist most of the time. They're content to work through people and situations to do their work of destruction. And the Bible is not clear to the origin of demons, but it leads us to believe that they were angels who left their service to God during a rebellion in heaven that was led by Satan. Revelation 12, verse 7 gives us this picture. It says, Now a war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels were fighting against the dragon. Who is that? Who's the dragon? Satan here, right? Okay. And, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil or Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. I just say this, like angels, demons are spiritual beings. Jesus often refers to them as, as evil spirits, okay? And they serve Satan's purposes. They oppose the work of God in the world. They are powerful beings who can and do impact our lives. But how do they impact our lives? Number one, I, I, you can see this. They inflict disease and physical suffering. We see this in Jesus' ministry in Matthew 17, verse 14. It tells us this. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, came up to Jesus, kneeling before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples. What does it say? And they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And then verse 18 it says, And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. There, there is a connection there, obviously, between the demonic force and the sickness that was on this young man. Number two, I would say demons cause mental torment. So much of the war that goes on that they wage with us is in the mind, right? They, they try to plague us with fear and depression, right? All these things, they, they fight the war in our mind. Number three, they incite war. They incite violence. I'm sorry, that's number three. Number four, they're the power behind false religions. First Timothy 4.1 says this. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith. In other words, some will fall away from the Lord by devoting themselves to what? To deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. In other words, the demons are teaching something. What do you think they're teaching? It's false religions. It's these cults that we see spring up. And it says some are going to depart, and they're going to leave those teachings. Number five, they tempt and seduce believers to forsake the service of God. We need to understand, church, the power and the influence of demonic to, to ignore them or to disbelieve in their existence gives them a, a free uh, hand into our lives. But our text reminds us to be strong in the Lord and to be mindful of our spiritual foes. Again, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Take a stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Yes, the Bible assures us of our victory, so we need not have undue fear. James 4, 7, if you need a, some verses to memorize this, we can memorize these. James, verse, James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will, he will flee from you. What, what promises? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he's going to flee from you. Now, here's another promise. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But then he goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen how this is all connected. Say, resist the devil, draw near to God, but also deal with sin in your life, right? Because we've talked about this. Sin becomes that open door. Sin becomes that foothold for the enemy to come in and, and to have his way in our lives. And then there's a key question that, that many uh, believers ask when you, you talk about spiritual warfare. I'm surprised no one asked this question. I gave you guys an opportunity week one to ask me questions, okay? But, but here's the question that, that, that I hear asked is, can a believer be possessed by demons? Now, it's not a silly question, right? It's a question that we shouldn't think of, right? And I think it's best to understand this by in the way in which we are influenced by See, every person, Christian and non-Christian, is influenced by demons in the world. And that influence that they have over a person's life, it ranges from just ordinary temptation at one end of the scale to, on the other side, complete control. Okay? Demons work to cause fear and doubt and despair. They want to stir up lust and greed and hatred. Right? They, they attempt to twist our perception of reality and to lie to us about the character and the work of God. And that's part and parcel of being a Christian is that these attacks will come our way. You see, the Word tells us we don't need to be dismayed when we feel tempted. We, we don't need to worry when a temptation comes our way. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you. That's not common to man. But God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What you need to know is this, is that when a person's life is filled with the Holy Spirit, the ability of demons to influence his or her life is extremely limited. When their life is filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, that's the real point of the armor of God that we talked about in Ephesians chapter 6, right? As we put on Christ, as we put on his truth, as we put on his righteousness and his peace and his presence, okay? As we live in his presence, demons are defeated at every level in our lives. However, we got to be honest, there are times that we choose to live disobediently, right? We, we choose to live in willful sin, and wherever we do that, we create gaps in our defense, and we become vulnerable to increasing levels of demonic influence. That's why the word warns us there, Ephesians 4.27, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a place and don't give him a space. Stand your ground in the armor that's been given to you by God. Church, we need to learn how to exercise our spiritual authority that belongs to us in Jesus Christ. You see, there, there's some believers that love talking about this because they think that we need to bind Satan and his demons constantly, right? They're always like that, right? It's like this incantation they got to say over and over again. But, but here's my issue with that. As Christians, our primary focus should not be Satan or demons. It ought to be Jesus Christ, right? Like that's what our, our focus needs to be. 
and, and it's, it's not my primary calling to wake up in the morning yelling at demons, right? Because the authority God has given us doesn't need to be announced all the time. If we are grounded in Christ, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the praise that is coming out of our mouths is what gives us power and authority that we need most of the time, right? So you, you don't need to start your day rebuking demons the minute your foot hits the floor. Instead, I would encourage you this, begin your day with thanksgiving. Thank God for salvation. That's the helmet of salvation. Thank God for what you've done in my life. Thank God that I'm victorious because your spirit lives within me. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill up your emotions and, and your mind and to direct your will that day. You see, our spiritual authority is found primarily in an attitude. It is a Christ-centered attitude. In, in the military, leaders who exercise authority can do it without yelling or screaming, right? They just walk into a room and everybody stands in attention, right? The reality is, if, if a person has to resort to yelling, parents, you know this, if you get to that point, you're usually on shaky ground in regards to your authority at that point, right? And here's the truth. Demons know when you know who you are in Christ. They do. They know when you know who you are in Christ. Demons know when you're full of the power of the Holy Spirit, but they also know when you're not, okay? There's a story in the book of Acts that is, is rather humorous when you look at it at first, but it's a, a serious lesson there. Acts chapter 19 there's this team of, of, of Jewish exorcists who are traveling from town to town and they're casting out evil spirits and they saw the power and the authority that Paul had and so they tried to use the same name Paul used. They, used, they tried to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. The only problem is they didn't know Jesus, right? And, and so they use this incantation. They say, I command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches, not Jesus, right, to come out. And when they tried this on a man that was possessed by an evil spirit, the spirit replies, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you, right? And the spirit leaps on them and attacks them with such violence that they fled out of the house naked and bloody. Now, if you read on that story, what's so amazing is that story spread. Of course it spread. Everybody's going to tell that story, right? You wouldn't believe what happened. But the story spreads throughout Ephesus to the Jews and to the Greeks alike. And many who are practicing witchcraft in, in, in that realm, they take and they burn their books and they give their lives to Jesus, right? Listen, there are times in our lives where there will be those power encounters that take place. There's been those times in my life, right? And, and you may run up against a person who is, is just so full of evil, what we would call possessed, right? Where they have, have given themselves over to that. When this happens, there is a place for taking authority. There is a place for speaking to the demon in Jesus' name. There is a place for, for binding evil spirits from, from further harm. And in those moments, though, the believer in Christ should never forget that his authority comes only from Jesus Christ. You see, no demon is intimidated just by the words that you say, right? Just by the words that come out of your mouth. If at any point we shift our, our focus or our authority from Christ to our own strength, we're going to find ourselves powerless in the face of evil. And so our primary call in the spiritual battle, I believe, is this, is to make the kingdom of God known. To make the kingdom of God. We talked about a few weeks ago, right? Tearing down every stronghold that, that keeps people from knowing God. The Bible tells us, in a way, how we do this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I'm not going to read every part of this passage, just some excerpts, but I want you to hear them today. Because if you are in Christ, this is who you are. If this is who you are, 
a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He says, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are set by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, we should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men and show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Since we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the light of Christ, we ought to live in that light. We ought to live in that light. His, his light shining in us is what dispels the darkness around us. The spiritual realm is real, church. It's real. We need to learn to, to discern it. And you, you can ask God as you dig into his word, God, give me discernment. Teach me by your word how to recognize these things. Holy Spirit, help me to see uh, the effect of the enemy and his messengers in the world so that you will be effective in confronting and defeating evil. Thank God for the messengers of his kingdom as well, right? The angels are here to serve us. I I think you and I do well to to invite that angelic protection. When I say this, finally, live in the spirit of God. It's one thing to talk about the battle between angels and demons. It's another thing to really understand power of the Holy Spirit. It's God himself that's at work in your life. The power of God present in your life. Because again, demons know when you know who you are in Christ. You need to understand the authority you have as, as a child of God, as an adopted son or daughter of the King of Kings. Amen? And demons also know when you're full of the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the battle comes back to these two words. I know I've said them again and again. Truth
And in the last days, the church, the church as a whole, will have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. This is a way of saying, as a church, there's a danger of putting more emphasis on the externals and the show, right? Just on what's going on outside, rather than on the internal, the empowerment by the Holy Spirit. But today I recognize this in my own life. I need the Holy Spirit because I need to be transformed. God's not done with me yet. He's still got work to do. How many of you would say that this morning? You need the Holy Spirit because you need to be transformed. Truth and righteousness. That we live according to the truth of God's word. That we live into the righteousness he's given us. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus refers to him as the spirit of truth. He says in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's come already today. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. to you the things that are to come. I love that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth leads us into truth. And we know that the righteousness that we have today, it's not our own righteousness, it's a gift of God. Sanctification is, is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, meaning we need the Holy Spirit to make us holy. And so here's the bottom line in the spiritual battle before us. You cannot, you cannot fight the battle before you without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own strength. You can't fight a spiritual battle physically. You fight it spiritually by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And so here's how we're going to close today. Because I want this to be more than four weeks of head knowledge. You can can quote what I said and you can say it back to me. I want you to lean in this morning to the Holy Spirit. Whatever battle is before you, whatever you're facing, whether you feel overwhelmed this morning or you feel like you got it together, both are dangerous. I want to encourage you today, the Holy Spirit's present in this place. We would love to. We want to have the opportunity as we close this series out, as we close today out, to pray for you. We're going to ask the pastors that are here to come and move towards the front. As we close in worship, I want to invite you just to come. We have some anointing oil, okay? nothing magical about this oil. I think it's the official one from Jerusalem. But here's the reality. More than anything, it is a symbol. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So if you recognize today, I need God's anointing. I need the Holy Spirit's anointing on my life. As we sing, just come. We'd love to just pray over you. Anoint your head with oil. Believe today that the Holy Spirit will give you a fresh anointing for this next season, whatever it looks like. He's more than able. So just move out as we altars. We'd love to pray over you and pray for you. Even as we pray, you can find a place afterwards at the altar just to do business with God today. But His Spirit's here.